0: Gideon was one of my former STS students when I was a youth pastor on the team here. And Cooper is a, a faithful servant in STS. And of course, Amy and Paul are great friends. And we love you guys. Good job. Thank you. My name is Rand Everhard. I'm uh, the director of Congregational Care. And uh, I'm really honored to be up here and just share my heart, uh, my faith, and the word of God that just springs into clarity. Uh, Our purpose on earth, our calling, um, why you are here this morning, and how we can engage the living God through his word and then receive the purpose that goes beyond circumstance. So let's pray and then we'll enter in. Lord, thank you that your word is reliable, thank you that it is unchanging. And because of your love for us, you sent Jesus into the world to die that we might have life to the full now and the opportunity to live into eternity, that you have prepared a room for each of us and that our part only remains confession, humility and repentance. Beyond that, there's nothing else. That your grace offers us the opportunity to agree with the truth and to live it out. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming back and you're taking home with you those whom you have chosen and those who have chosen you back. We thank you for uh, this season of Christmas. Let it be, above all, a season of giving, a season of recognition, a season of advent and waiting. But especially a season where we recognize Christ sent for the sole purpose of dying for us as an infant who lived a perfect life into adulthood and who modeled for us a life of excellence without sin. So thanks for each person here. And we pray that your word ring true in our hearts with clarity and give us purpose as we walk out with application to live for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read out of John 14 to start, and it's in your uh, Bible there in front of you in the bottom of the seat on page 1071. And I'm sorry, I'm going to... I'm going to read from the NIV as I I brought this one up here, and hopefully that's okay. You can just track with it. But starting in verse 15, on page 1071, John chapter 14. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my command and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But, Lord, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and I will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The word of God for the people of God. So we live in a world In an age where passion is often considered an adequate substitute for precision, and because passion is attractive and it's motivational and it drives a narrative or an agenda, it's easy to to, to be swept off of your feet and caught up in a vision. Vision motivates, but strategy mobilizes. So if our strategy is not one that is or, of which origin is found in heaven, then our strategy is probably about ourselves. So we have an unmet need, and that unmet need is always a spiritual one. I'm going to talk this morning a little bit about societal pressure, a little bit about accumulation, and trying to offset the burdens of the heart. And then we're going to talk about what it means to wait having been well equipped with the Lord, the Holy Spirit. So fake news trends six times faster than the actual truth, true fact. They don't even care anymore what goes out because the marketing companies generate incredible amount of money um, for advertisement on social media platforms. People opt for things that require the least amount from them emotionally, socially, relationally, A first question for a person who's wandering through life with a a heart that is heavy and an uncertainty of mind of what does the gospel require of me is if I enter into that social context, what is going to be required of my heart? So it's hard to enter in and it's hard to find your purpose in a place where your purpose isn't missional at most or as primary So, with the rise of social media and the age of acceleration, the speed of technology microchips double every two years in speed. We all know and we've all seen the increase in anxiety and stress, this felt pressure to keep up. My dad always says, You got to be a modern day genius just to function in today's society, right? (laughs) You got to be a genius just to operate your, your devices. So, understandably, uh, trauma, depression, anxiety, stress, this felt pressure and this this uh, this undercurrent of our culture that just pulls us into conformity, to have and to own and to be, to where your 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 status on Facebook or how many people like you or your business card ultimately give you a sense of self-worth. The result of this unmanageable um, sense of pressure uh, leaves us looking for coping mechanisms. And coping mechanisms uh, play out oftentimes by way of addiction. And addiction is this, an ever-increasing desire for something that has an ever-decreasing ability to satisfy. So this can be food or busyness or substance abuse or social media, or gaming, whatever it is that you look to as an escape to cope with the pressures of life, will not deliver indefinitely. So there's the unmet need on our hearts where we aimlessly wander to resolution and contentment and a sense of peace, but only in Christ, by way of the Holy Spirit, do we find and experience the fruit of the Spirit the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, which is the deepest form of happiness. So we go about life in our best effort, leaving and needing and wanting more. Consumerism, the accumulation of things to offset stress. One of my big uh, struggles at working in pastoral ministry, entering into trauma situations all the time. It feels like my life is a constant sense of trauma. But by God's grace, I've been sober from alcohol for 20 years, and that's not something I hang on the mantle like, "Hey, look at me. It's more of walking with the Lord and abiding in the presence of God, and understanding day by day that if I lay my heart before Him, He has something to say. Same is true for you and I, for each of you, that if you lay your heart before the Lord, He's speaking. So we're all being monitored and profiled by marketers to predict what kind of advertising would most appeal to us. It's no longer a billboard. It's a social profile that you, as you search Google and look on your, your, uh, your social media platforms, they track your patterns. And you have this custom profile that they know exactly how to make an appeal to your heart that you might buy to offset or buy to belong. This is conformity to social pressure, and this will never deliver, as I said. Young adults that I've worked with through the years, having been a youth pastor here in Buckhead for, I don't know, 12 or 14 years here at the church and elsewhere, and through young life with my dad, work now with a lot of young adults that are in college or post-college. And one of the big uh, realizations that, that I've come to in helping someone is recognition of my own, and that is the pressure that young people feel when they're asked, so what are you doing? And if they don't have their answer in, pr- in place that sounds socially acceptable and they don't have the profile dialed in, that was me at 25. I didn't. I was lost. I was addicted. I was broken and living for myself. And when you don't have that answer in place, there's this sense of defeat where the cycle of despair sets in, where, where you have this defeated mindset, where you're burdened by people in life because you don't really see that you're accepted by the Lord himself as a believer in Christ. So you strive to have your answer in place. And if you don't have that, then you move towards whatever would offset this, the sense of self that leaves you limited and feeling inferior. So these, these societal pressures that work towards conformity, uh, leave us wondering where do I belong and where do I fit? To use a quote that I heard elsewhere is, we try so hard to fit in, but we were created to stand out. Fitting in with culture leaves us aimlessly wandering towards resolution and belonging and purpose. But the happiest, most productive person is he or she with clarity of purpose, happiness, production. Uh, contributing to the betterment of our world starts primarily in the heart, looks missional as you go out and carry out your orders, and it's always sourced in the love of God with the truth of God and the grace of God that enables you to walk it out. Social norms, societal pressure. Are we waiting in Christ, and are we waiting on God himself to show us, on? His terms before you will offer your life and heart. What are we waiting on? An undeniable evidence of God? See, doubt is the shadow cast by faith. But if you come by faith and you confess Jesus as Lord, the text that we're going to unpack this morning helps us see that obedience is met with revelation. And through confession that my way, my best effort at life doesn't work and leaves me needing and wanting more. When we understand these things, the Lord reveals himself to us. And we all have read Romans 1 that through creation, it's undeniable that there is intelligent design to use a, a, science, a scientific uh, descriptor. But there is a God who made us, the maker of heaven and earth. You can read Genesis 1 and see um, through John 1 and Romans 1 that the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son were present at creation. And they're present sitting here with us today in our lives so why is it that we we put things as priority before the most important reality in our world that we'll ever know the gospel of Christ so in the world we engage uh, of God in the word of God we engage the heart of God through the power of the holy spirit which illuminates the word and brings to life the living word the holy spirit We learn everything we ever need to know now by being reminded of everything Jesus ever said then. This is an exciting invitation into gospel exposition, which is evidence of God lived out. As we read the word and hunger and thirst for righteousness and feed off this bread of life, we embody our convictions and not just learn about them. And through humility and through the agreement and through the, the partnership of a surrendered life in Christ, the Holy Spirit has offered and entrusted us that we would be the evidence of a risen Christ in a broken world. So my question to start or to follow through with this long intro is this, where and when do you go where demand ceases from your life? Just for a minute. And what is demand? Well, being preoccupied and being busy on the way to go accomplish a list of tasks I've learned and am learning is often tied to people pleasing above all. We want people to agree with our coming and going. And see, yes, here means no here. But because we generally have compassion for people, we want people to agree with us. And I think it has something to do with this undercurrent of felt pressure to have everything in place and to look like everyone else and act like them. But waiting well is not being preoccupied. It's unapologetically eliminating hurry from our lives. A quote shared in a book called Soul Keeping, unapologetically eliminating hurry in our lives. Resting in the Lord, walking out our faith, abiding in him, leads to a contentment to endure hardship, which goes beyond circumstances. So in this Christmas season, we think of the word and we hear the word Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Christmas is not just a day, but it's a way of life. And Advent means coming. So we await with the hope of God, which means the joyful anticipation of good, the return of the Lord. And we wait to be brought up into heaven, into eternity, as followers and believers of Christ, surrendered, mind, will, and emotion, to the Lordship. His coming is all about life and freedom and true abundance. So if we miss that, we miss everything. So let's launch into the text a bit and let's just un- unpack as we go through quickly, uh, starting with. Building into the text, waiting well as the adopted child of God. You see, slaves perform duties. Sons perform acts of love. If you're an adopted child of God, you're in a love relationship. If you're a slave and you're burdened by the word of God and you're, you're burdened by your place in this world, that's a fear-based relationship. You're enslaved to what is an obligation, and you think, if I carry this out, things will work out for me. But the promises of God is, if you have my command and obey it, you love me, and I will love you. I'll make my home within you as my Father will, and I'll reveal myself to you. The paraclete, the one called alongside to help in critical situations— the advocate, the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the encourager, the true friend. People Think of people who step into our lives at critical moments that care enough about us to tell us the truth. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He illuminates the word of God for us that we hold up in the mirror, the law, and see how our best effort will not work. But the grace of God, the blood of Christ on the cross enables us to embrace the truth and live into a world with a heart that is informed instead of a heart that is aimless. And As our hearts are informed, we make an impact on the world regardless of how we look, regardless of what our business card said, regardless of what our social media nonsense involves. <laughs> you know, we live into the world as evidence that we are worth Jesus so this agreement is one that furthers the gospel calling on your life and the true friend in our lives is one who cares enough about you to tell you the truth to restore you to the father's will and that's what the holy spirit does for us an accurate translation of the greek i won't try to say it here i'm not going to try to act more intellectual than i am i don't know greek (laughs) But the true friend is an accurate translation. The true friend that speaks truth and love. So in John fifteen, uh, verse fourteen, uh, chapter fourteen, verse fifteen, we'll read: "If you love me, you will obey my command." Love expresses itself in obedience. In verse sixteen. The Trinity is fully present in this text. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Son comes representing the Father. The Spirit comes representing the Son. In receiving the Spirit, we have the entire Trinity, the Godhead, at work in our lives. We are home. We are awaiting the return to be home for eternity. But we are where we were created to be, abiding in the presence, willingly receiving the word that shapes our lives and gives us purpose. In verse 17, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit's special mission is to constantly testify to the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus, in uh, chapter 6 of John, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. It comes to the Father except through me. Verses 18 through 20, Jesus promises his disciples his own resurrected life. Reading in 18... I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will see will not see me anymore, but will see me because I live in you, and as you live in me. You see, Jesus makes it obvious that He is alive and at work. As people are able to discern the living God in our lives, seeing Jesus raised, the disciples themselves were raised from despair to mission. From desperate questions to powerful service. Can you imagine being an observer, an experiential witness to the resurrection of Christ? Would that not be transformative? As we read the word and as we live it out, people see that the resurrected Christ is in fact at work and living in us. Each of us are part of a chain of disciples who are in fellowship with history's most significant person and event. The second uh, session here, obedience is met with revelation, raised from despair to mission. 1421 has been one of my favorite verses for many years, and and I quoted it already, but obedience is met with revelation. We see that as we obey the command the revelation of God continues to unfold in our lives. And there's two main ways Jesus feels love from us. And that is, as we keep his command to trust Jesus and have a heart for the other. You see, things, the, the human compassion and forgiveness and generosity don't make sense in the natural person. But as our, as our heart is transformed and as our heart is positioned, to receive God's love and his truth, then forgiveness is second nature. Side note on forgiveness is giving up your right to get even and releasing someone from judgment. I say that a lot, but it's central to my restoration ministry work here at the church uh, with a focus on just brokenness in life. Response and restoration is what we do in congregational care. To give up your right to get even and to release someone from judgment. And fourteen verse twenty four, whose word we really hear is the passion has to become what we want to hear, where a heart is functioning as God intends. And you see, passion um, is the want to in life, and the have to. The being burdened by the world or, or being burdened and troubled by uh, uh, the heaviness of the word and being lost in some of the details. It's hard to develop passion. But day by day, as you set your heart anew before the Lord, the want to, the have to becomes the want to. A passion stirs deep within us. The final transition here as we close is being an extension of the incarnation grounded in grace. Verse 25, all of this I've spoken while with you. But the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Elsewhere in Scripture, in Second Timothy 3.16 and 17, we all know that all Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, training, and correcting in righteousness, so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So why do we look elsewhere? It's okay to study the things of the world to understand it well, but it it is primary to hold the word of God close, that it be written on our lives and discernible to the lost world around us, that that person has the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said, judge them by their fruit. Paul said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The fruit of the Spirit against such thing, there's no law. So why do we make so many things primary in our lives when we are thoroughly equipped to confront and restore and rebuke? You see, when we're living in the truth, it doesn't hurt when we receive a gentle rebuke. A gentle rebuke, as we read in Proverbs, turns away wrath, but it stirs someone's heart from oppression, a person who's stuck in self focused behavior requires loving them enough to walking into their lives and speaking a word of restoration. If We don't do that out of fear of rejection or fear of hurting their feelings, then we miss a part of our calling. But to continue God's purpose in his word and knowing it well, he's given us the word that we can not take ourselves too seriously, but take God serious and intentional above all situations circumstances letdowns fear, uh, fears and failures so all scripture is god breathed and we are thoroughly equipped in verse uh, 4 our chapter 4 verse 23 it says true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks by the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit and truth, and by Jesus, who is the enfleshment of truth. 14.6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse one, uh, Chapter 1.14, he says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So how might we love like this? One key application might be to discern in amidst conflict or a lack of clarity around what God is doing in your life and setting out to accomplish through you is what does this situation require of me? Interpersonally or missionally or deep within yourself as you're self-aware and trying to take seriously your character flaws and weaknesses, What does this situation require as primary, a restorative truth or the undeserved blessing of God, the grace of God, mercy, humility, compassion? Jesus came full of grace and truth, and we can have both, but situations require a unique application of one or the other. And then, of course, the truth plays out where grace is offered, and uh, truth informs grace, but we have to make that decision is do we need to confront with truth or do we offer grace to listen well and see the person in front of us offering our whole heart that we might access their heart and win the right to sow a seed of truth, to set a person free from themselves because that's what sin is. It comes down to secret self-love. When we love ourselves more than the other, we love ourselves more than the ways of God. We put ourselves at the center of our agenda. You can tell that if you're about your own business and you're not listening to anybody speak into your life and you're you're set on your own purposes, that you're not considering the most important, the way and the will of the Lord. So in closing, Jesus' incomparable peace, the shalom of God, Jesus' once and for all mission, Jesus says in the final verse, may things go well for you in every way and do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. I'm learning in my, in my ministry and my walk with the Lord that we fear above all the loss of quality of life. And in this season more than any other, in this year, 2020, we fear illness, we fear the economy collapse, we fear... Um, many other things, but perhaps what we fear most is a material world that we enjoy that makes us look a part of the rest. There's cultures around our world that drive the narrative and decide what you're going to be if you're going to live a peaceful life, but we were created to stand out as children and followers of God, and the gospel is countercultural. So what does the gospel require of you today? What does it require of you going into Christmas? And what are you going to respond with? Are you going to respond with self? Are you going to respond with a surrendered life that looks like contribution to the betterment of the world? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that each person in this room is known by name. And for those that don't know you by name, we pray that you would draw them unto you and write their name in the Lamb's book of life with the blood shed on the cross. So, Lord, empower our lives with the comforter, the true friend, the counselor. Illuminate the word for us. Give us a a, a hunger for the word, the bread of life, Jesus, that is primary above all. And, Lord, we thank you as a byproduct of that. You offer us grace and peace and joy. So let that be our experience as we go out. Empower us, bless us, protect us, and let us be people of reconciliation. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, If you would please stand and uh, join us in worshiping. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my hand, I will sing of the goodness of God. Faithful, And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Love your voice You have led me through the fight darkest night, you were close like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have lived in the goodness of God, and all my life you have been faithful, scene of the goodness